Welcome to our seminar. My name is Joseph Goodman of Goodman Games, and I'm going to tell you guys about some stuff we're doing. So I'm going to talk for five or ten minutes about sort of current products and the status of those and some things like that. Then we're going to have some special guests who will come up and talk about some new products we'll be working on. Um, and then in the end, we'll talk to you about our new Kickstarter that we're, we're going to launch here today. Um, so first of all, welcome. Thank you for making it out. And here's kind of what's going on. Uh, the fourth printing of DCCRPG is now uh, back from the printers and in stores. If you back to the Kickstarter, you have the fancy version with the silver gilding and thumbtacks and so on. If you don't have that one, you can still pick up this one. Um, so if you've been waiting on a copy, which I heard some people were, you can now pick it up. How to write adventure modules that don't suck is out here at the show. It's actually turned out awesome. Um, and many of the contributors are here at the show too, so if you pick up a copy, you go ahead and get it signed. If you back the Kickstarter, it actually won't ship for a couple months because there were two books in the Kickstarter. This one's done already. The other book is at the printer, but when they're both done, they'll both ship out in a couple months. <coughs> Epsilon City is finally here in the Metamorphosis Alpha line. Um, this one took a while to get done, but it turned out awesome. As you guys know, we like to try special things, whether it's gilding or thumb tabs. Or in this, uh, in this case, um, Jim Ward, who was a creative guy, it wasn't enough to have a box set. He wanted to try a special binding that he's a big fan of. So for those of you who haven't seen, this has spiral binding, which Jim loves because for a huge book, it actually will lay flat. Um, and it's an awesome product. It, it's, uh, I think, the biggest Metamorphosis Alpha product to date. We have, you guys may have actually seen this, but it has the, the gatefold maps inside Whoa. and <laughs> <laughs> lots of other bells and whistles. There's some poster maps inside. There's additional booklets, etc. Anyway, these are advanced copies. The, the boat with everybody's Kickstarter is on the water, and that'll ship again. I think it's in May, I think is when it'll hit, but hopefully some of you guys are able to pick it up here in the show and the rest is on its way. And then um, we have kind of a game of nuclear escalation here at Goodman Games, which is who can produce the biggest book. <laughs> <laughs> so, to date, Judges Guild is winning. Uh, so let me just show you guys this. I won't give you the whole walkthrough. This thing has a ton of features, but for those of you who have not seen it, these again are some advanced copies. If you back the Kickstarter, they are literally shipping now. Um, yeah, somebody told it makes, somebody said I look like a hobbit when I hold this book. <laughs> so this is the Judges Guild Deluxe Collector's Edition. The reason it's so big is that Judges Guild back in the, the era was at the time the second biggest RPG publisher after TSR, and they had the license to do official D&D products. And they produced amazing stuff back in the day. Um, so what they would do is, because they existed before game stores existed, they would, you know, they produced these really cool official D&D modules, but everyone was shipped to you by mail order because you subscribed to their service. And when you subscribe, you got a copy of the Judges Guild Journal, which is kind of like their version of Dragon Magazine that has like new classes, you know, new encounter tables, new creatures, stuff like that. But these journals were printed at 11 by 17, and they were printed on newsprint. So even if you have a copy these days, and like I have some that Bob Letzai gave to me, but they're like crumbling and falling apart. Even the best ones are basically 40-year-old newspapers. So we decided to reprint them at their original size, which therefore meant a very large book. But if you want to pick it up, we have advanced copies here at the show. I have to show you one other thing. This, this book's really cool. Um, the guy who founded Judges Guild was Bob Letzai. He was an amazing illustrator in addition to having many other talents. But he did these incredible maps. Um, so in our usual fashion, <laughs> we, we couldn't resist the impulse, so in case the book's not big enough, hopefully the maps are. <laughs> so, anyway, come by the booth and check it out, I'm not going to give you the whole walkthrough here, but it's an amazing book. Um, one of those things, I don't think anybody's ever done anything like this before, 
Uh, I kind of hope not, because this is kind of crazy. But anyway, it's a great book. So there's samples at the booth. And for those of you who don't know, you can win a free copy. So at noon, come by the booth. We're going to have a strongest judge competition. This weighs about 10 pounds. Whoever can hold it out the longest will win a copy. But every 30 seconds, we're going to layer on another book. Last guy standing wins the book. And we really know it's going to be Dave Beatty versus Tim Shane. So Dave's not going to show up. He's going to be missing for some reason. I'll tell you what, I'm going to enter just for kicks. I know I'm not going to win, but you know. My money's my on Haley's sketch. Haley's sketch will probably win. Somehow she'll pull it out. Um, so the other thing that's uh, in the works is Mutant Crawl Classics. Where's Jim? Woo! Mr. Jim Lambert's creation. It's going great, and uh, I love having this many people in a room because this is many. It's this many Facebook questions I don't have to answer. The good news is everything. I want to be careful not to taunt the gods. Everything is either on or ahead of schedule. So, uh, unless lightning strikes or a volcano blows, you know, it will absolutely hit the deadline. Gen Con August is what we said. Gen Con August. Yep. Um, the, uh, there's a copy of the uh, main rule book at the booth that everybody can stop by and check out. And if you've got a raffle ticket, it's going to get raffled off. So somebody's going home with a version of the game that's 99.9% .9 complete. 60% of the art's in there, the layout's done. Um, some of the copy still needs fixing, but yeah. I mean, here it is. So you come know? by and look at it. It's all, there's tons of art in there. You can see what it's going to look like. You're pretty close to what it's going to look like. If you didn't get a raffle ticket, everybody in here is eligible for one, so at the end of the seminar, just come by and get one. But. Somebody, somebody's going to ask. They, that's the, the proof, the spiral round, that the, the actual printed version is, is not going to be spiral round? Is it, Good question. Yeah. It'll be hardcover, regular right, hardcover. <coughs> yeah. And uh, I, I, I have like a thank you list. I want to thank everybody that's been supporting this has gotten interested in it, but I uh, even more want to thank, there's a whole team working on this. this. This is often perceived to be my deal, but I just had the stupid idea in the first place. I mean, the, these modules that uh, covers, I mean, fantastic art by Doug Kovacs and Stefan Pogue and Peter Mullen on the covers. Same for the interior art. Michael Curtis, Harley Stroh, Tim Callahan, Bob Brinkman are writing this. So the, the whole Goodman team collaborated on this to make it a top-notch line and product. And it's coming out awesome. I, we've been showing off some of the covers for the modules on the Kickstarter page. I don't think you've seen these two yet. So this is Incursion of the Ultra Dimension by Mr. Michael Curtis. And we have the Apocalypse art by Brendan. But there's a total of, I think it's eight. Brendan LaSalle, sorry. Brendan LaSalle, yes. There's eight, I think, supplements that are coming out as part of the original Kickstarter, the add-on. So you'll basically get a whole line of adventures and some supplements to go with it once it actually ships. And we're already talking about what comes next. Mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, Jim. So thank you, guys. <laughs> so that's the status of uh, what's out there that we've already announced. Here's some other sort of fun things we're working on that you'll see come up pretty soon. Um, so we did, a, we did a, Mark Bruder wrote an excellent holiday module this past Christmas that had scratch-off character sheets which is the second scratch-off product we've done. And for those of you who didn't see it, you know you know the lottery where you scratch it off and you win nothing or a million dollars. Same principle, the character sheets were scratch-off and randomized underneath. So that concept is awesome. This maybe is just me, but I'm kind of addicted to it and I love the idea. So we are doing scratch-off character sheets for zero-level characters. So these are the printer prototypes. Um, Stefan Poe did the art around it, Jim did the layout, and then John Marr produced using his online tools a uh, 50,000 character randomized list of zero levels. 
And then we are working with a company, they mostly do like lottery tickets, so we're kind of like the oddballs in their lineup. But we've come to terms of that, and they're now working with us to create scratch-off character sheets. So we have a big version for you to see. So this is probably a couple months out, but once we have all the kinks worked out, um, we're going to do a Kickstarter on this. And what's interesting about it, it, it's like classic economies of scale. Basically, if you just do a small run, they're really expensive. But if you print like the same numbers that a lottery company prints, the unit cost drops to like incredibly small. So the Kickstarter will be very simple. The more people, the more packs we actually produce, the more copies will go in every pack. So if it goes really well, you'll end up with a whole bunch of these for really cheap. Um, so that'll be coming soon. But we have two copies here. Actually, maybe I'll raffle off these two, and you guys can scratch them off. But <laughs> the prototypes, and then we can have them fight. So that's that. Another thing that's fun is, um, for those of you who didn't go by the booth, we have some new releases. We have the second printing of Harley's Bride of the Black Mans, which is a great adventure. Um, I think, is Harley running a game or is he yes, here? I think he said he had a game, yeah. So he's not here, but it's a great adventure that was one of the first DCC modules to come out. And again, I basically just rip off Judges Guild for all my ideas. Judges Guild used to reprint with a new cover every time, which is, a, I love it. So um, anyway, it's new cover art by Stefan Pogue. Doug, of course, did the original cover. Um, and then Stephen, who's here somewhere. There's Stephen. Stephen Newton has a new mini adventure in the back, which is great. So check it out when you get a chance. It's on sale at the booth. Um, but we're going to keep doing that with other modules as they sell out and need to be reprinted. So this is Peter Mullen's cover to oh, Jules and the Carnage nice. Nice. Yeah, it's amazing. So that, it's again another Harley module, it's just the next one to sell out in the list, and that will be going to the printer in about a month um, as the old version sells out. So if you want the first printing, now's the time to get it before it's gone, and then this will be the second printing coming soon. And then other modules are slowly selling out too. So I'm going to give you the list of the ones that are probably going to sell out in the next three to nine months, depending on how things go, mostly because if you want to pick up the first printing, this is your chance. Beyond the Black Gate is almost sold out. Um, Chain Coffin is almost sold out, the box set. So when that is gone, we'll probably do a hardcover or something like that. But if you want, if you want the spinning wheel, now's your chance. Um, Intrigue of the Courts of Chaos is almost sold out. And then Blades Against Death is just about sold out. So that'll probably be the, the next round. See, and the other things at the booth, in case you didn't see the other new releases, Layers of Lost Agarda. So for those of you who picked up Journey to the Center of Aerith, this is one of the supplements for that. Each time we do kind of a setting, we do a little digest size supplements. And this one has uh, 13 kind of drop-in locations with creatures that you can use under the earth there. Um, a lot of folks contributed, Stephen Bean, Daniel Bishop, Tim Callahan, Stephen Newton, Terry Olson, and of course it was Harley's creation originally. And then, I love this one, Moonslayers of the Cannibal Kingdom by <laughs> Edgar Johnson. Edgar fit an amazing amount of content into a very slim adventure. It's 24 pages and reads like you're going to another world. Um, and it's inspired by the works of Abraham Merritt, if you happen to be a Appendix N fan, but he does amazing work. So check those out when you get a chance. Now that's it for the product announcements. Now I wanted to ask some guys to join me. Uh, Mike Carr, do you mind coming up? And Mike Merles and Crystal Earl, do you guys mind coming up? I'm going to introduce these guys first. Have a seat. Then I'll then I'll tell you guys why they're here and what we're working on. Um, so Mr. Mike Carr has been in this industry forever and produced one of the first, um, well, the first aerial combat game, Dom Patrol slash Fight in the Skies, way back in the day. Correct. But what you're especially known for, or at least in my mind, is writing B1. Yes. Which would be, let me make sure my modules are right here. Sorry, this module. And then, of course, B2 was written by Gary Gygax, who unfortunately can't join us here today. And then Mr. Mike Merle's here is basically Mr. D&D &D for 5th edition, if I can call you that. 
lead designer on DC 5E. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Mike also wrote DCC number two. We just released number 93. <laughs> so Mike wrote number two a long time ago. I don't know if I ever told you this. It went through three printings. Did I tell you that? Oh, wow. No, I, did. I knew there was, a, there, the, you, there was a second cover. Yeah. So I knew there had to be a second, but I didn't know there were three oh. printings. Yeah, so I brought the first and the third. Just and I was also told the title <clears throat> caused trouble whenever anyone would try to play some The title was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this was one of those like, newbie publisher lessons. Yeah. How about you pronounce it? How would you pronounce it? Satsaro. The T is silent. Oh. The first T is silent. <laughs> I thought that was self <laughs> What I learned after releasing the Lost Vault of Sathzar Row is if you release modules that retailers can't pronounce, they tend to have trouble ordering them. <laughs> so it's a miracle it made it through three printings. <laughs> that was an important life lesson, so thank you, Mike. So, you know, fail early, fail often. You screwed up number two, and now 93 later, you, That's know, right. you know, I got all your mistakes out of the way in the second volume. Thanks, man. So that was great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have Mr. Chris Doyle. And for those of you who don't know, Chris has also been a participant in Goodman Games for a long time. He wrote number seven, Secret of the Smuggler's Cove, and many others after that, um, including number 51, Castle White Rock, uh, which is probably what he's best known for. I think the biggest adventure I've ever published, and maybe one of the biggest anybody's ever published. Something like 700 pages. Yeah. yeah. 738. We were going to have jerseys made up. <laughs> okay. So the reason these guys are up here um, is that I'm really excited to announce a partnership with Wizards of the Coast to republish classic D&D modules. Whoa. Oh. So, yeah. Um, and Mike was critical in making this happen. Actually, Mike was critical in making this happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, wrote that he did place. great, yeah. <laughs> um, so let me give you some details, and we're going to just ask these guys some questions about what they did. Um, but the first volume will feature B2 that you see right there, as well as B1. It'll consist of two parts. The first part is the originals. The second part is the fifth edition conversion. So the originals does involve going back, finding pristine copies of the originals, scanning them, and restoring them. And it's actually a fascinating process. When I embarked on this, I thought it would be um, as simple as that sounds, just finding originals. But there's a story behind every one of these. B2 actually was printed nine times, and the first three printings are substantially different from the last six. Like Mike and I were talking, the version of B2 that I owned a kid, as a kid had the, I think it's uh, Willingham, the Minotaur picture, you know, where he's like this threatening with the axe. Yeah. But the version he owned was where the Minotaur was like slouching back, and it's the Arrow Lotus version. <laughs> yeah, you the spear and the haunch and eaters. Yeah, there's, there's six or seven pieces of art that are totally different between the two printings. The first three printings had different stat blocks for the monsters, because it was compatible with a different version of D&D. Um, it's really interesting, and I had no idea as a kid, and I really had no idea until we started this project. So we've gone back, and we've actually found examples of multiple printings, so the, the scans will include different printings you guys can compare. Um, and then B1 has, a fast, has many fascinating stories, but the art, if you look at the art, it's signed by two different TSR artists, by Sutherland and Trampier. Um, and Jim helped lead the investigation here as to what happened, but after doing a lot of research, talking to old TSR guys, there are... Um, the original art was done by one artist, and then some management folks at TSR wanted to revise it, so they got a different artist to revise it. And the original cover art for that module appeared later on in an issue of Polyhedron. So we managed to track down the original cover art as well as scan the, the later printings. So there's a lot of cool history in there. Um, we were able to get contributions by Frank Mincer, who um, actually wrote one of the runes in B2 and served to edit it. We have contributions by Luke Gygax, who has really cool memories of being a kid playing his dad's adventure. <laughs> like It's the kind of stuff that none of the rest of us could ever <laughs> compare to, but it's really cool history. Um, uh, Jim did a great interview with Mike Carr in there. Um, <clears throat> some people, like Brendan and Harley and some other folks, wrote about their memories of playing these modules. And like we all, I mean, this is the module I remember most strongly as a kid. That and Isle of the Dread were the two that I played the most, and we all have great memories of these. Um, 
So Mike here, sorry, Mike Carr, there's too many Mikes in this room. <laughs> Mike Carr wrote uh, V1, and there's a fascinating story behind it. My understanding was that you were asked to produce an introductory module um, that could sort of be palatable to people who weren't necessarily familiar with D&D. Yeah, there was an earlier version of, uh, I think, of, of the game, and there was no module with it. And it, it sold well, as all the D&D stuff was at that time. But it was quickly apparent that you know, we've got to add something to this to help people learn how to be dungeon masters, people who have never had the clue about what does it mean to be a referee or a game master, and what's a role-playing game, that sort of thing. So that was bandied about, you know, this is what we should do, and I was involved in a lot of the editing, but I raised my hand and said, you know, I'd like to give this a shot if, if, if you're agreeable to that. So um, uh, Gary Gygax and Brian Bloom discussed that, and they said, all right, take a shot at it. So. Um, I'm not a real avid, I uh, never have been a really deep into, into Dungeons and Dragons, despite the fact that I knew Dave Arneson in St. Paul and I was the first cleric character ever and played in the early days. That's cool, by the way. That's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think that helped me do a, a good job because I was, I was looking at it as what would, what would somebody coming into this totally cold, what would they need to know and what sort of background uh, should I try to give to them um, in terms of legends and this is how you set up a dungeon and that sort of thing. So that was really the impetus of it. What would you need to know to start playing this for the first time ever? So that was that was really, that was my goal and from what people told me over the years uh, was a success and you know I get compliments. I mean that was decades ago. I still get compliments on that. So it's very gratifying to me to have been entrusted with that responsibility but also to have pulled it off I think. so. Yeah. Um, and they looked it over. I, I, it was pretty much all that, it's all my content. And they reviewed it and made a few suggestions. But um, they pretty much published it as I wrote it, which is not always what happens, as you know, in the publishing business. So, um, And there's stories behind it. And I guess one of the most fun things was about 10 years ago, I saw on the internet somebody had deconstructed. Now, you know, in literature, you deconstruct Hemingway or Faulkner or whatever and kind of analyze everything. Well, this is what Mike Carr intended, and this is where the, his idea came from. And, but it was just a treat to read it. A, that somebody even cared that much to go that deep into it. But they were absolutely spot on on some of their observations or analyses, and then they were totally wrong. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was fun. So now I have to find that. Just post. to think that something, something you wrote 35 or 40 years ago, people still care about. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing. So I'm, I'm a lucky guy, and I'm very grateful to the, the people that uh, you know are keeping this alive. And here we go again. So yeah, that's great. That's awesome. So tell me, what's your favorite encounter in the module? Um, I think the, I think the. Room of pools. You know, and and it's interesting because I was not an avid D and D player. And I, I played with Dave Arneson. I played with Gary Gygax occasionally, and not a lot. But I really sat down, and I mean, I did a lot of thinking before this. It's like, what can I dream up that maybe hasn't been done, or that's going to be mystifying to the players? Because that's part of the fun of the game. Is like, what the hell is this? You know, <laughs> let's figure this out. So I think that, and then the the room with the mushrooms, which. Somebody, uh, as a critic, said, well, that, that room is kind of worthless because there was nothing in there other than these mushrooms. But I thought, well, it's a curiosity. And, and, and let's be honest, when you set up these things, you don't want to have something jam-packed in every place that you go. That's part of the figuring it out. Is, is there something there of value or not? So anyway, so I'd say those two sorts of things. But uh, a guy told me about a year ago, this is a, a friend I know who's a uh, uh, Dawn Patrol and Fighting Skies player, and he said, he said, man, I played that the first time ever. You know, we played this module, and we come right into the start, and there's these magic mouse, and he goes, 
I still remember that. It's like we were like, wow, the walls are talking to us. <laughs> so that's awesome. So that was, I think that was kind of just a, a fun thing to, to start with. And, yeah. Uh, so, I, I, you know, people remember that stuff. So, it, I guess when you're younger, you're more easily getting first impressions or indelible impressions. Yeah. But I think for a lot of people, and, and people told me that this was the first thing I, I did or I played, and and a guy told me just yesterday, Zoe, we played this with my my. You know, ten ten year old son uh, finally expressed an interest, and he wanted to play with his friends. So I ran this module, and they loved it. And he was taking notes, writing down the legends and all this stuff. So he says, "My kid's into it now." So that's, that's you know, how cool is that? That's so. awesome. So when you were at TSR, you did a lot of other stuff. And if I remember correctly, you edited Gygax's work for the AD and D. Yes. Um, those three original core for books. the hardbound books. Yes. That's yeah. Awesome. I, was, I was the editor, and the the I think the most fun. Part of being the editor of those hardbound books was I got to write the forewords, um, and again I I knew that those books were going to sell like hotcakes. I mean they're you know hundreds of thousands of copies, and so I, I really sat down for each of those forewords and thought thought long and hard. What do I what do I here's my chance to have a, a, a minor soapbox as the the forward to this great work. What am I going to say, and what am I going to try to impart to the to the readers of this book or the users of this book that's going to be useful to them and, and insightful and so on? So, and I just this morning a couple of people asked me to you know sign that. So again, this seems like a lifetime ago, but it's very <laughs> gratifying to me to you know that people still care about this. So that's awesome. I'm lucky to still be here too. So that's awesome. Um, let me ask Mike Merle some questions. Uh, so, what's your favorite memory from these modules? Either one, B1 or B2, playing as a kid. Always oh, playing as a kid, because I <laughs> recently, <laughs> right? No, I actually I run B one on a regular basis. Because oh, really? What's interesting about it compared to especially a lot of other adventures um, <clears throat> is that since you leave the the dungeon master to put the monsters in, you have to make the dungeon as an environment interesting. And I think that's what the, I always loved about that adventure was all the details you added in, and you talk about the, the mushroom forest room, you know, where that's just as a dungeon master, I have so much fun with changing that. And I think that's I actually ran B one maybe three years ago using uh, AD and D with uh, some people from Wizards and some of the guys from Paizo. And my, one of my favorite memories is Eric Mona, if you know Eric Mona, he works at Paizo. He insisted on bringing five Link Boys into the dungeon. <laughs> and he, had a, he rolled a horribly weak magic user. He had like two hit points or something like that. So his battle cry was, Link Boys, into battle! And I just decided, he was so persuasive, I let the Link Boys charge ahead and deal with any fight. So that was, that was very, very memorable. And I've, I've run the dungeon, um, so I've run B1 a lot. B2 is kind of funny because uh, I actually maybe like 16 years ago wrote a fairly critical review of uh, B2 that actually I got some uh, some some guff for when I uh, became sort of head of D and D uh, on RPG Net. Um, but since then I've come to appreciate it. Well, I actually I liked it a lot when I was a kid. The open-ended nature of it is obviously what I always really loved. The um, you know this idea that it's an environment and it's actually I'm working on a, a sort of a role-playing game in my spare time that's inspired by the idea of having this very iconic location. And then having lots of options for the players to delve into. You know, I think when you look at the idea of an open world role playing game, you know, when people play Skyrim, they think, oh, it's this awesome thing, you can go anywhere. But really, I mean, that, just this little, you know, 32 page book, it basically invented that entire concept. You know, that you can just, there's a town. Do you want to rob the town? Do you want to protect the town? You know, in the keep, you know where all the gold is. So do you want, you know, just like in Skyrim, if you break into any random house, Someone has gone through and put items in every basket and, you know, uh, treasure chest and uh, on every table. And so to me, just that, that open-ended nature of it, you know, and it's interesting for my... Both these adventures really interesting to me because they kind of capture a lot of my change in how I've approached role-playing games. You know, playing B2 as a kid and really enjoying it because, you know, wow, it's the imagination, I can do everything. And, and probably my, one of my big memories as a kid was asking my dad 
Uh, like what's a pew, you know, things like that. Yeah. Where are our 20 sided dice? Cause I need some, I didn't have any dice. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he just thought I was crazy. But not at the hardware store. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's out working on his truck with my brother and I'm just like, where are our side? Where are the dice? What's a pew? What's a, what's a curate, right? And he had just, just, I'm the weird one in the family. So yeah, early on we established it's that. It's okay, we all are. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's why we're all here, right? The, um, and so yeah, and just kind of having that idea, going through the, the more story phase, like ah, the, the NPCs aren't even named in B2, so what's the point of my personalities? And now coming full circle, and now in my gaming, like, oh, this is great, I can do whatever I want with this, right? I can run the campaign where the keep's actually for the, you know, that's, the baddies are in the keep, and you're gonna, you know, ally with the monsters, or, or whatnot. So <coughs> both the adventures, the flexibility. So I, I run In Search of the Unknown, that's uh, probably every, every, at least every other year I've run it. That's and awesome. Restock wow. it yeah. completely. It's got legs. I just I just <laughs> ran it earlier this year, like in uh, in February. Uh, my D and D group, we were missing a couple players, so we I just grabbed B one and threw some monsters in there, and we played. That's awesome. So. And so, Chris, you have the small task of converting these to fifth edition, <laughs> or which you've already done. But yes. how does it feel to be entrusted with that responsibility to convert these to five B? Um, at first, I mean, I've been working for Joe for a while now, um, and and I thank him for the opportunity to work on such a really cool, high-profile project. Uh, but so he gave me the assignment. Um, thankfully, from Wizards of the Coast, I had plenty of time to brainstorm and before contracts were signed and everything. Um, and uh, so, uh, so I got to delve into a bunch of things. There was a novel that was done on Keep of the Borderlands. Um, not a particularly good novel, um, but I did struggle through it. Um, but it was great to, to pull some pieces uh, from that novel and, and, and um, you know, get some inspiration from that. And then to get some inspiration from P2 all through the years, uh, the second edition version, Return to Keep of the Borderlands, just to kind of soak that all in. Um, was was absolutely amazing and and then just as almost any other writing job I've done I just jumped right into it and started going when I got the green light um, and then a few weeks or a month or two into it uh, Joe sends me Frank's introduction and says here you might want to read this and I read it and then I kind of had the, the the oh crap moment of <laughs> what have I gotten myself into <laughs> um, and and I had that and I, I remember I stopped I stopped writing for the night I remember walking upstairs from my basement where I do all my writing and just sitting down on the couch and being whoa <laughs> um, and then uh, you know I, I got over it and then got back to work but um, it was uh, it was quite an inspiring moment so and it's been a great journey the last few months uh, going, reliving all the memories and everything, and uh, of what these modules were all about, and why they were so important to everybody. And what's your favorite memory from B one or B two? Um, B two, I remember uh, very clearly. Uh, how many show of hands who died in the uh, pit in the opening pit in KBA? Yeah, so I actually survived the pit, but then it closed back up, and then my companions thought it would be a really good idea since they couldn't handle all the giant rats to uh, trigger the pit and send some rats down for my character. You know? So then, as I'm trying to find my way out, it starts raining giant rats. And in my very first combat ever, I was in fifth grade. Um, it was uh, me against three giant rats in a pit, like five by five or 10 by, I think it was 10 by 10 pit back then. Um, and uh, I won initiative, I rolled and I missed. And then the first rat rolled, hit, and killed me. And, that was it. And, and at that point, most people would be like, well, this game sucks, you know, and you would never play again. But that just made me want more. And, and that was what, it, that's amazing. And, and even as the years go on, uh, doing tournaments and, and whatnot, um, you know, the best feeling you probably have is, is when you TPK a party, 
but they all had a great time, and they all want more. And and you know because sometimes you could really hurt some feelings and all that. But especially in a, a convention when 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 you kill everybody and it was mostly their fault, um, you know, and and they love it even more and they want to come back for more. That's that's a great feeling. So and I think we've all probably experienced that in these modules over and over. And, and, and my recent best memory is uh, my son is 13 years old. He's uh, an avid board gamer. He really likes board gaming. He knows about role playing, but he's never showed an interest. And finally, I asked him. I said, "Hey, do you want to play test something that I'm I'm converting to a fifth edition?" And I I sat down. I gave him the whole history and everything. He's one of two people who knew the whole story. Um, and uh, and uh, and he said, "Yeah, I would." He rolled up his own character, and uh, we've actually been playtesting uh, uh, B1 since uh, we restocked it and everything. And he's been having a blast. It's been uh, it's been kind of his kind of enlightening. And, and he every time I you know he's like, "Hey, when am I going to get a chance to play again?" I'm like, "Ah, I got a deadline," you know. <laughs> but but, uh, but it's great. So now that uh, everything's been uh, sent off, all the manuscripts, my part's mostly done. Um, you know, now I'm going to go forward to trying to get through the rest of that and uh, you know really see it from his eyes, which is going to be great. That's awesome. Um, so Mike Merles, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what your first published credit was? I actually, this came up yesterday, and I was talking to someone about it. So do you want me to just go ahead and spring? So, <laughs> so back in 1996, I was very active on Usenet in uh, Rec Games, Miniatures, 40K, whatever it was at the time. Yes. And that was before blogs, before yeah. Google Plus, before. Yeah. And <laughs> so uh, there was a group of us that would like sort of post post stuff back and forth. Remember uh, Isaac Tapley, I think his name was. His name sounds right. Yeah, he was one of these. He's high school kid in Hawaii who's doing this awesome <clears> stuff with 40K. I think he ended up going to RISD and stuff. He was just, yeah. So uh, I happened to write, I think, was it the Squat or Slan Army List? Slan Army List. Yeah, I did a little Army List. If you play 40K and Warhammer the Slan, we're like these frog guys. They're in Fantasy Battle, and I, they weren't in 40K. So I wrote a little Army List. And then I randomly got this email from some guy in Chicago at the time. Uh, Philly, I think it was. Philly, you were yeah. in Philly? From, from this guy <clears throat> saying, hey, I want to publish your Slan Army List in my magazine, the, the Dark Library. And I was like, sure. And he said, I'll pay you for it. And I said, double sure. Great. That's <laughs> <laughs> even better. And that was my first published, anyway, other than like in like student newspaper and stuff, my yeah. first actual piece of published work was in, and I think it came out in 97. I think I still have a copy. 96 or something like that. It, I don't remember. Yeah. Something. It was the uh, Swooping Hawk Aspect Warrior. Painted white. Is that the cover? Or am I thinking of the yeah, other Was one? it this one? Like that's, exactly, wow, yeah, that's exactly why. Yes, exactly. This is Mike Merle's first published credit. Yeah. 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 Because I, this is to talk about my poor parents coming full circle. I'm asked, what's a pew, what's a cure? What's a pew? What, what's cure light wounds? Right? They have no idea. And then I showed them. Here's you know I got paid to do this, and they just sort of nod and said, "Sure, you did." <laughs> <laughs> and then here I am today. So. How far you've come? How far? Yeah, it's essentially the same job, just different stakes, right? Yeah, you exactly. make stuff up and hope people like it. So that That's literally cool. is the same thing. So. Cool. I'm glad to be working with you. It's been a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, it's been great. And you guys buy a lot of this because if it does well, we'll make more. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mike, it's awesome to meet you and hear your stories. It's a pleasure. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad you all came to GaryCon. Hope you'll come again in the next year. And who goes to GenCon? Oh, I, there's a few people that raise their hand, so <laughs> they got to get there. Put that on your list. It's great. Yep. Cool. Well, thanks for joining me up here, guys. Happy to do it. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I have a couple more things to talk about. And we're trying to keep this kind of short so you guys can go back and game, which is why we're all here. Um, so now, 
if uh, Mike, if you don't mind joining me, there's well, so many mics here. Michael well, Curtis. I will use my professional name, which is Michael Curtis. Because Michael Curtis. I, early on, I discovered there were too many mics of already in this industry. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Curtis, please. And then, has anybody seen Doug? Do you guys mind grabbing Doug? <laughs> um, so, uh, let me flip these to the next thing. The next thing we're going to talk about is Lankmar, which is uh, finally coming to fruition. Come on up, Doug. <laughs> so, we have been working on Lankmar for two years. We actually announced it, I think, at GaryCon two years ago. We did. Two years ago at the lodge. The last it? time we were at the lodge. That's, that's why they right, kicked yeah. us out. That's why I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was, yeah. <laughs> so um, I asked these guys up here. Yeah, Doug's done. I think you guys have seen this image, but he's also painted another Langmar picture. Doug, why don't you tell us about these images and then we'll tell everybody why we're talking about them. Okay, so <clears throat> as you guys know, I'm the truth teller. <laughs> now, you can see how excited they are about this shit because they haven't even stood up. I'm going to stand up the whole time. I'm excited. Right? Okay. Is that a lie? Maybe. Um, okay, so the legend is that because I mocked Joe Goodman enough, he eventually read Appendagon and book. And There's books, actually right? like 75% true. <laughs> 75 is pretty good, right? Uh, he had read a few Conans or something, right? Yeah. Okay. And then, and, and then the legend is that once I finally, he finally listened to me, he read them all. So, if he read all the Lankmar books, he should know exactly all the references in all of these things here. So we're going to quiz Joe Green. <laughs> Hold on, I came prepared. Uh, <laughs> he's only got two. This is, this is proving my point. Let's go, let's go. He's, got, he's got the first one, and he's got what? The second one? Yeah, but we all know so, they went down so, the so, last so, Okay, well, all right. you got to know it all, dude. That's coming um, So has anybody, has anybody actually gotten as far as uh, Swords, uh, Swords of Langmar, fifth one, right? Yes. Mike, Mike's the one who knows more than me here. Yeah. I'll admit that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so has anybody here read the fifth book, Swords of Langmore? Good joke. Does anyone know? How, how does it start, Jen? <laughs> <laughs> you you got to say you only read it once? Wasn't that the one that uh, didn't have any little stories in between? It was one, one novel. One yeah, it's one whole yes. novel. That one, right? You're talking about it starting in the snow with the tribe and the... Traveling witch crew coming together and sold them right now. That's the first one. That's the okay. first oh, okay. okay, version story. I think you meant how it all uh, starts. Okay. How the whole thing starts? Yeah. No, that's an easy question. Yeah. Oh, who's better, Faffer or Mouser? Who's better? <laughs> I prefer Faffer. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what you said, that would have been the answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously, no. Mouser's better. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, Faffer gets saved all the time. My monster, right? Look at this. This guy looks like a woman. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, so, should we start the quiz on this one, Joe? Sure, let's go for it. Okay, so who's this? <laughs> that would be Fafford. Okay. And this guy. That's the Green Mouser. Okay, and what's that called? Oh, dude. 
I uh, it's in every book. Yeah, it is. I know. It'll come to me. Once you say it, I'll remember. Guess. Okay. And and what's his other sword called? If you were going to surgery, the doctor would cut Scalpel. into you. There we go. <laughs> okay, so right here, Revelation. Doesn't know the basic stuff. <laughs> okay, so Grey Wand is the name of Fafford's uh, sword, right? Does the axe have a name? The axe does not have a name. Okay, it's a nameless axe. <laughs> so, um... Any number. This isn't this isn't a particular scene for a particular book, but anybody who's read them knows that there's references to all manner of infinite adventures that they've had between the stuff that's on uh, on camera, so to speak. So this is kind of like a what? What's the word? Amalgamation. 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 That stuff, right? So, um, cats are important. Fritz Lieber, he's written books about, just like about cats. There's cat aliens and the wanderer, other, other Fritz Lieber books, right? Cats. <laughs> I like cats, you like cats. <laughs> uh, right. There, are, there right. are important cats in Swords of Lightborn. So, yes. Yes. Well, yeah. well, yes. Okay. So, anyway. Uh, this is a cool old wizard and he's shooting lightning. There's no argument about that, right? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what's, the, what's the major theme, pigeon based theme in the Lightborn books? I don't know. Does anyone know? Okay, there isn't one. <laughs> there is no pigeon-based theme. Uh, I put a pigeon in there because it's a city, and anybody who lives in a city knows there's pigeons all over. The <laughs> there's a dead rat there, so you know there's dead rats everywhere in cities too. Um, so that's city stuff. So anyway, they're they're doing a heist, and then you know they always have a woman chasing them with a knife. Right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's basically standard. They probably didn't rob her. She probably was in on the robbery, and they just pitched her in there. Like, and now, so anyway, most interesting thing about this is there's the shadow here, and there's some guy, you know, he's going to get him. Um, he's probably a thieves' guild guy, right? So uh, that's enough about this one, right? Oh, and, and then the yeah. architecture. Okay, so this is based on... The architecture in the back here is based on these standard uh, wooden porches that are on the back of all, not all, but many, many Chicago uh, apartments. And at the time I did this, I lived in one of them. And actually, when Joe Goodman lived in uh, Chicago, you lived on third floor. And you had Polish people underneath you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that, that's like reference because Fritz Lieber. Um, Mike said that he, he lived in Chicago at some point. He, he lived attended in, University of Chicago. So. He attended yeah. University of Chicago. So some of the city might be directly Chicago related, right? For those of you that don't know, I live in Chicago, right? So there's a, a, a chest with a skull on it, and skulls are cool, so. <laughs> <laughs> there's that. Uh, <laughs> you, you didn't work a Chicago Cubs logo in there. No. Don't give him ideas. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, 
just want to insult you for talking about sports. But. <laughs> okay, so this is totally better than sports. Okay, guys, it's art. This is what makes our country great. Um, <laughs> all right, so this is mostly, like I said, based on uh, the, the fifth book, the, these uh, characters. This is Hisbet. Um, Hisbet is the daughter of the gray merchant from Ilfar, right? Mm, is he from Langlar? You know, he is Langlar. He's from Langlar? Okay. Um, anyway, there's a whole thing I can't really... If you read Langlar, there's certain things you really can't say in front of a mixed crowd because it gets into uh, questionably R-rated and beyond. Um, but there's later stuff involving possibly Hisbet. But you can see that she may be a rat because she has eight breasts, right mm. here. She got she got the rat there. There's a thing where she's talking about a plum with uh, Mouser in the beginning of this book. Uh, this is Krishka. Is it Krishka? That's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Mm. Right. That's uh, Fafford's uh, ghoul friend at one point. <laughs> um, <laughs> right? uh, she actually had an ask axe. <laughs> Axe, um, that, that's an artistic license to have her have a sword. I'm sure she had a sword at some point. But anyway, she, she was hanging out with Fafford, riding all over the place on horses and killing people and stuff, and thinking about eating Fafford at one point. But you got to read the book, it's great. What about, um, what's there like is no movie, so. <laughs> artistic reference for that. Krishka? Yeah. Oh, okay, so and anybody anybody who's had the, the old deities and demigods with, uh, 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 has seen the uh, the version of her with the axe and the belt. Um, so, yeah, I was definitely thinking of that. And then also in the old deities and demigods, there's also a um, snow serpent, which that is. Um, these are the world bubbles, the, the leading theory of the world. Uh, cosmology in Neowan is that all worlds are in a bubble floating through the void or the universe, whatever. So so here's the sloop that Fafford and Mouser are always trucking around in. Uh, when they're not in Lankbar, they tend to be on a boat or on an island. Um, and I had to, I have no idea what boats look like. I'm, I'm from the kind of part of Chicago where we don't own boats. <laughs> we're, we're not allowed to be on the lake shore for more than 15 minutes at a time. <laughs> so so that, that would be the Black Treasurer. Oh, it's the Black Treasurer. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, that's the Black Treasurer. Yeah, you can tell by this black flag I put here. <laughs> <laughs> and they always had one, one um, uh, mingle with them uh, called Ormf. Or that, O-U-R-P-H. We pronounce everything Orf, different. Yeah, Orf, Orf, Orf. Orf. Okay, so this may or may not be him here in close-up. Uh, maybe one, and he's a little bit younger than maybe, I don't know. He shows up a lot. This is this uh, is when we meet him in the black in the bleak shore. And okay, then, bleak then shore. he's older later on by Rhyme Island. So he's older, but they're all older, right? You can tell they're young because they don't have a bunch of guys that look just like them with them, <laughs> uh, which happens later in in the the books. They become leaders, and they got monsters got a bunch of little monsters, and Pfeffer's got a bunch of Vikings. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, that's, and then finally there's a city back here, and I'm gonna say it's not. It's not Langmar, but it may be another city. Finally, to redeem yourself, Joe, bring it all back around. All right. Name one city in Neowan that is not Langmar. Oh, 
He doesn't know. Come on. You mentioned out loud already. Yeah, I've even said it. You don't pay attention. I listen to you all the time. No. This guy. Let's ask him questions about Alec Bell. Was was Alec a man or a woman? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anyone got a Conan question for this guy? <laughs> what is best in life? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I, I think that covers everything. Does the city, it? That's oh, the, the city. city. Ulhras, the greatest Ur fantasy city name in the history of fantasy publication. Ulhras. Either that or it's Ilthmar. Right? No, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it. That's great. Right? So this is two of what will eventually be four covers for the Lakemar box set, and we're finally ready to launch this Kickstarter after two years. After two years? Two yes. years of a, a very long uh, We could have done it sooner, but it would have been wrong. And we were trying to avoid doing that. So uh, so it's been a very long, like, so we announced it two years ago at CarryCon, so it's kind of nice to come full circle here and being able to finally say to all you people and and stop hearing you uh, online <laughs> say, when is these gifts are going to be launched? So uh, if anybody put any money down, I, I think it's like, you know, it's one-to-one -one odds that we were going to announce Lankmar, so don't expect to be going home in the windfalls or anything. So. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it has, been, it has been a great experience to do this. Um, it, it's very funny because, as I, as I say in the, speaking of forwards, uh, you know, your, your chance to kind of to shine and speak about this is that I got into this because of Didi's and Demigods. So, I mean, I first learned about the existence of Lankmar when seeing that great art that was done by, uh, at the time, Paul, Jan uh, Paul Jackways, but now Janelle Jackways, and that was my first introdu introduction to, you know, like, I, I, you know, at that time there was no Amazon, there was no, you know, I mean, if you, if, if you can get it through interlibrary loan, you know, it was just kind of this vague, mysterious world, and, and all these neat little hints about thieves' guilds and, and, and skeleton ghouls and, and all the rest of that stuff just fired my imagination, and it wasn't until 1988 that I first got my hands on my first uh, uh, Back from the Great Mouser novel, which was uh, Liber's last one, which was not his greatest work. So it's kind of amazing that I stuck around and finished the rest of them. And, and uh, so now to be able to have been part of this uh, this process, um, I'm very excited. Um, I you know we we wrote this uh, for you people, and uh, I hope that if you are a fan of of uh, Liber's work, you are going to enjoy this. But if you were a DCC fan, um, we we really kind of catered to you because uh, <coughs> we could we couldn't we couldn't make everybody happy, so we figured that we would you know make you people happy first and foremost, and then if you're a library mm -hmm. fan too, hopefully you'll enjoy this as well. Um, so, Mike, tell us what's in the box set. What is in the what's in the box set? Uh, the box set contains uh, as of, as of now, there's going to be five items all total. So we will we will have uh, what we are calling the Compendium of Secret Knowledge. And this is the um, their variants on the DCC rules. So if you want, from 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 day one, the plan was always that you could use DCC Lankmar as uh, as a, as a you know uh, as inspiration source for like new monsters and new spells and all the rest of that in your standard DCC campaign. Or you could take your DCC campaign and drop it into Lankmar. Or you could run what we call the literary style, which is if you wanted to have your DCC adventure kind of reflect uh, the stories of Fafford and the Great Mouser. So it works on three different levels. So uh, the Compendium Secret Knowledge is uh, that contains the information on how to kind of tweak your DCC campaign to get that literary source of um, literary type of uh, D and D. Uh, 
the DCC adventure. Um, there's also the uh, the Judge's Guide to New One, which kind of explains the overview and introduces uh, new patrons and has the new patron spells and all the rest of the stuff. It's the stuff that the the judge will have to have more access to than the uh, than the players. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then we have the, the Lankmar City book, which kind of describes, uh, gives you an overview of the city of Lankmar and provides the judge with many, many tables of uh, how to customize the city and how to kind of come up with uh, adventure ideas on the fly because you know if, you're, if, if anybody has run a city, you know, street crawl game, the players have an entire city open to them and it's, it's really hard to keep them, the, you have a 10 foot wide corridor that goes north, which way would you like to go, you know? So, so this, is, this is kind of a, a, a useful tool that you'd have at the table. It's not, it's not like the classic city book, like you read it and you have to memorize like, okay, the warehouse district has this many warehouses in it and this is more of like to have at the table and okay, whether they're going down to the, you know, the crowsing quarter, what happens? Well, all right. Well, along the way, in this, you know, so um, so that is that is that. There's a great little system for determining your starting neighborhood. Uh, so if you don't want to throw them in the deep end of like, you know, this is Lankmar, like get them to know their little neighborhood district first. You know, populated with some interesting uh, locations and interesting NPCs and little adventure ideas and such. Um, and then we have a uh, we have a starting adventure, a first level adventure called uh, No Small Crimes in Lankmar, uh, which is uh, uh, it has it has. It's a solid uh, Lankmar base, uh, but there's nods back to the source material. Um, I'm not going to say any more about that other than it's a first level adventure, uh, which can be used as a follow-up to Mask of Lankmar. So if you want to get started, you can buy La Mask of Lankmar here and then go home and wait patiently for the Kickstarter. Right? <laughs> um, and, uh, and then we're going to have a, uh, we're have a world map. Uh, world map and a Lankmar map. I know, which is going to be double-sided or we're still working on that? Still working on that, okay. yeah. All right. so, so possibly two maps or one double-sided map. And then, guys, a lot of people, Mike has the lead on this, but a lot of people have contributed, and Mike's actually been designing and leading playtests with other groups for two years. Um, but Jen Brinkman had the noble task of editing this. Yes. Um, so Mike had to read the books five times? No. I read the, I, well, I've read them probably five, five times over the course of my lifetime. But it was two so and this, a half times. This project, this project I read two and a half times, yes. And then Jen had the luxury of reading them all. To One and a half his times. Work. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so they did a great job. You'd be surprised when you do something like this, how you got to get things like scalpel right and stuff like that. So they went back and forth over every single detail for a long time. So I think this will actually be very accurate. If you're a purist and wanted to exactly match the books, you will, I think, find it that does. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, when this all began, there was a, a prolonged discussion between Doug and Harley and I, all who came in this with, with, a, with a, a real love for Lankmar. I mean, uh, Punjar, some of you have heard, but Punjar, that was basically uh, Harley's, Harley's Lankmar with a serial number filed off. So he's been working on that, and, you know, with my love of it, and Doug obviously knows his stuff. So we had very many discussions about not only just the design process behind the scenes, but like, you know, like, like what kind of roofs are there in Lankmar? I mean, it's like a Mediterranean climate, so they don't get a lot of snow, so we don't really need people. Like, that's a <laughs> kind of geeky stuff that was going on behind the scenes. So obviously, we came in this with a lot of love. That's great. And then <coughs> other contributors to either the core book or the core mm -hmm. box set yep. um, and or some of the stretch goals include Harley, Daniel Bishop, Terry Olson, Bob Brinkman, uh, Tim Callahan, Steve Bean, uh, Edgar Johnson, and Brendan LaSalle. There's a lot of people who have contributed in addition to these guys. Um, and the, the last thing I want to tell you about, so I'm going to launch the Kickstarter here in a second. You'll see it go live. But the last stretch goal is actually the coolest stretch goal. So in Mike's deep research, he discovered that when Fritz Leiber passed away, he gave all of his documents to the University of Houston. And there's a Fritz Leiber uh, library. The, the Fritz Leiber paper collection at the Universities of Houston Libraries. And it uh, contains, uh, 
his personal papers and documents of his life from 19, I would say 1932 to 1996. So there was actually, his son was uh, donating stuff after he passed away in 1992. So, um, so yeah, so uh, the, basically the entire, entire span of his productive life. Uh, and everything from uh, his, you know, his diaries and day books to his original manuscripts um, to his correspondence with Gary Gygax. Uh, he has his personal sword collection is there. Uh, a very curious, full, a very curious file box, which I'm looking forward to seeing, which is just listed as game question mark. Uh, so yeah, so there's some uh, some various interesting treasures lying there. How many boxes was it? Uh, I don't know. It's 40 linear feet. Uh, so if you know, if you 40 feet of shelving, it's filled with his his personal documents. So the ultimate stretch goal, and there's plenty of stretch goals that are added content, additional adventure modules, stuff like that. The ultimate stretch goal is to send Mike to Houston and have him research in this library, or Fritz Library's lost papers, and see what's there, and then with his <coughs> imaginative mind, see what comes out of it. It's the it's the closest we can get to uh, co-authoring anything with Fritz Library after he has, <laughs> he has passed for quite some time, and, and and somebody out there is waving and wants to go along as described. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so we'll have to see. We'll have to see how far we exceed that stretch goal. So you know, <laughs> I can pay for my own flight. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph will raffle it off. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> So guys, we did three preview Lakemar publications throughout the booth if you want to check them out. Some of this material is reprinted in the, uh, the, the box set, which is detailed in the Kickstarter page. If you pledge here at GaryCon, I'm going to launch it in a sec. If you pledge and show us on your phone that you pledge, we printed up some of these little folders. Doug's art's incredible. So this scene, eventually it'll have the logo on the top, which is necessary but unfortunate. This scene shows his art without the logo. The back has one of the other publications, uh, some of the other art he's done. So, and it's got cool pockets for all your <laughs> So if you play to the show, come by the booth and show it, or come up here and show us, and we will give you a free pocket folder. Here, let me launch the Kickstarter. <coughs> Talk amongst yourselves. Needs more rat snakes. There's number one. More rat snakes. I'm not like that. That is real time. Launching. Marketing in action. <laughs> you basically go click the green buttons. So. <laughs> Wait, wait till the page loads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, we're funded! Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready, Mike? Drum roll. I'm ready. It's loading. All right, guys, don't forget to get your raffle ticket. Fill it out, take it by the booth, come by at noon for the strongman competition, and then we will also be raffling off full stuff. What's this, what's this here? Oh, yeah, you wrote that. No, okay. <laughs> One of the raffle prizes is we like to support local retail stores, so we're releasing a product that you can't buy online, at least not on our website. You can only get this through stores. So if you don't have a local store nearby, we will be raffling off a copy of this fun adventure, uh, Dread on Demon Crown Hill, that Mike here wrote. So that's it, guys. Thanks a lot for coming. Thank you. I got it!